بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم رحمد رسول الکریم امباد الحمد للہ جنائٹ از دا تھرٹیتھ آف اوگسٹ ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزینڈ of the sublime status of our beloved Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in particular with regards to the vast knowledge which he was blessed with or is sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So the next subsection entitled, Masjids will be entered but not prayed within. In Ibn Asakr, Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahu anhumah, he relates that our beloved Messenger said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, they will approach a time when people will gather in the masjids, yet they will not perform salah. They will approach a time when people will gather in the masjids, yet they will not perform salah. So, what was the Prophet referring to here? This can be seen when one goes to pay one's respect to a brother or sister who have lost a family member and who are sitting in the masjid for three days, one often thereupon sees many who attend not even bothering to offer the obligatory prayer. So this is one example. Another example of this is when they attend the funeral prayers whilst at the same time having missed the obligatory congregational prayer. Another example could be those masjids which are now used just as tourist attractions or museums. To Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is our complaint. So the Prophet simply said, there will approach a time when people will gather in the masjids, yet they will not perform salah. So what is going on? This is the sign of the end of time and we're witnessing it. Consider also Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahu He relates that our beloved messenger had ordered sallallahu alayhi wa do not make masjids pathways but they are built for remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or for offering salah. Do not make of masjids pathways but they are built for remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or for offering salah. This is in Tabarani in his Kabir, volume 3, page 194. And Shaykh al-Bani stated Hassan in As-Sahiha, page 1001. So, what was the Prophet referring to here? Another report. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, radiyallahu, he relates that our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa amongst the signs of the hour, will be a man will pass through the masjid and will not pray two rakats there. Amongst the signs of the hour will be a man will pass through the masjid and will not pray two rakats there. Recorded in Tabarani, Ibn Khuzayman, number 1326, Shaykh al-Bani Rahmatullah stated Hassan in Sahih al-Jami 5-213 and As-Sahihah number 649. So in these two authentic reports, the Prophet was saying, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, masjids will become pathways. 
Meaning people won't offer prayer, they'll be just going through it. Who's being referred to here? This is more commonly observed in the Muslim lands. Indeed, some just go there to use the bathing facilities and then leave. I've seen it myself. People come in, have a quick shower. He goes over and a shower. Well, why do you have a shower at home? Why do you come to the masjid for? So the Prophet said, these are signs of the hour. Masjids are being grossly, grossly disrespected. Indeed, such an unbelievable state of affairs would be reached that Abdullah ibn Amr said, يَأْتِي عَلَى النَّاسِ زَمَانًا يَجْتَمِعُونَ وَيُصَلُّونَ فِي الْمَسَاجِدِ وَلَيْسَ فِيهِمْ مُؤْمِنٍ There will come upon the people a time period when they will gather and pray in the masjids, but there will not be a believer amongst them. Astaghfirullah. This is recorded in a hakim in his mustadrak, number 8365, or 4-489, stated Sahih to the criteria of Bukhari and Muslim. Dear Lemmy, in his Musnad al-Firdos, number 8086, or 5-441, Ibn Abi Shayba in his Al-Musannaf, number 30,355, 37,586, or 6-163, 7-505. Shaykh al-Bani, in his checking of Al-Iman, by Hafiz Ibn Abi Shayba, stated, Sahih to the criteria of Bukhari and Muslim. So let's look at this. So in this flawless report, a companion called Abdullah Ibn Amr, he said something amazing. He said, a time is coming when people will gather and they will pray in the masjids, but there will not be a single believer amongst them. Who's now being referred to? Meaning, it's now become ritualistic. They have no idea how the prayer is protected and guarded. They have no idea what the farad, the wajibat of the prayer is. It's basically people just going up and down. You know, we yeah, it's like Isha, four rakats, two rakats, three rakats. Zohar, four rakats, four rakats, two rakats. And they have no idea that their prayer is not being accepted. So, think about that. A time is coming where people will still be coming to masjids. They'll still be praying in inverted commas. But there's no believers. Isn't that time fast approaching? <laughs> One of the tricks of the shaitan is he whispers into the heart, Kiamath is millions of miles away. And, the, and he, you ask why, shaitan says to you, because masjids are still being attended to. That doesn't mean anything. Because prayer will still be taking place, but there's no spirit to the prayer. The prayer is not valid. So the, Ibn Amr goes, not even a single believer. The hadith is sahih to the criteria of Bukhari and Muslim. We seek refuge in Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from witnessing such a dreaded time. Amen. So note, masjids will become a sign of Qiyamah. Look how strange that statement is. Masjids will literally become a sign of Qiyamah. Another subsection. The righteous du'as would only be answered for themselves. The outcome of all this debauchery throughout the world would be as honest as there shall emerge an era amongst mankind where the believer shall supplicate on behalf of all to which Allah the Almighty will respond 
Jama al-Ahadith wal-Marasil, number 28,165, or volume 9, page 226. So let's look at this. So one of the signs of the hour from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam is that the believer naturally will make a dua for others. Naturally. But what will Allah ta'ala say? Supplicate only for yourself. Ud'u likhasati nafsik astajiblak. I will accept that. Because I am angered with those for whom you now supplicate. Meaning that the righteous du'as will only affect their own selves. Allah Ta'ala is not answering their du'as on behalf of others. So note, are we living in this time? You go to the righteous, you ask him to make du'a. And du'as are not getting answered apparently. So obviously we always think well of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But one of the reasons the Prophet gave for that is because he's angry. Allah ta'ala is angry with you. He's not angry with the righteous. So when the righteous is making dua for himself, Allah ta'ala goes, I'm going to answer that. But I'm so angry with others that if you make dua for them, I'm not going to answer it. So think about that. How angry must Allah the Almighty and Glorious be? For that to take place. Mm-hmm. Imagine you go to the Abdal, even an Abdal, he's making dua. What sins is he committing? Or she committing? And yeah, Allah Ta'ala is so angry, he's only answering for the Abdal. He's not going to answer for anybody else. Mm-hmm. Now, why is that actually quite dangerous as well? Because we rely upon the righteous. Mm-hmm. The duas of the righteous are very precious. For Allah Ta'ala to get rid of that, it's like, now what are you going to do? He's angry with you. And the, one of the like lifelines you've got is, okay, you're in a bad state, but hopefully a righteous person made a dua, and his dua will reach you. Even that lifeline is caught. So note, our beloved messenger, he taught us everything. He taught us why we are in these predicaments. And notice, as if he was looking at the Lohim Mahfuz, which Ibn Hajar Asqalani, rahmatullahi said, the eternal peace and blessings of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be upon our beloved messenger, about whom no other than our loving Lord says in Surah An-Najm, Surah 53, verse 3 and 4. He does not speak from his own desire. It is no less than revelation revealed. Subhanallah. So Allah the Almighty and Glorious says He doesn't speak from His desire. It is nothing but revelation. And if you look at the last few nights, you realize it's nothing but haq, which the Prophet was saying, sallallahu alayhi wa And also with the subject of dua, I should have added, there's a sahih hadith which mentions that the only way that Allah Ta'ala will answer a dua at the end of time, I'm paraphrasing the hadith, is if you make a dua of a drowning person. <laughs> so this is the rough meaning of the hadith in Ibn Abi Shayba. Now think about that. So Allah Ta'ala is angry, so angry. He's saying, I'm only going to answer it 
So imagine you're drowning and you're calling out for somebody to help. How are you going to be calling out? That's how much you have to beg Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for him to respond. Now why is that? Because he's angry, subhanahu wa ta'ala. But you know, how difficult is that? You know, our du'as, you've got to be honest. A lot of our du'as are merely mechanical. We just say tape recorder. Sometimes we make a, you know, a, a, a more sincere du'a. But have you reached the level where you're making du'a like a drowning person? In fact, have you ever made a du'a like a person who's drowning? And this is why the Prophet highlighted all these things. So note again, the peace and blessings of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be upon him. So moving on to the next section, which is so important in the believer's life. And that is with regards to sacred knowledge, i.e. unrelated matters. So the first port of call is that it is very important to define what exactly is knowledge in the glorious deed. A lot of people think it's, you know, you memorize, that's knowledge. So Islamically, what is knowledge? In Hakim in his Mustadrak, Imam Ghazali in his Ihya, volume 1, page 33, in the chapter on knowledge and page 270 of the English translation, Sayyidina Abu Dardah, radiyallahu, he relates to our beloved messenger, said, sallallahu alayhi wa Iman is naked. Its clothing is taqwa. Its beauty is haya. And its fruit is knowledge. That's knowledge. So now be honest. When have you ever heard that? I know a brother who's got a lot of knowledge. So then the first thing you ask is, has he got taqwa? Because I didn't say taqwa, I said knowledge. What about his haya? Because what's haya going to do with knowledge? The fruit of all that is knowledge. Who told you that? Rasulullah. Otherwise, what he said, Iman is naked. Meaning it's just speech. I've got Iman. And you're nanga. What is knowledge without God consciousness and modesty? So clothing, imagine you've clothed yourself with taqwa. If you fear and have awareness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then you now, your iman, there's something to show. There's something, you know, you're clothed now. But you become beautiful when you have haya. That is modesty and shame. And after that, the fruit is ilm, the Prophet said. Eventually you see the fruit. So Islamically, it's not just memorization. It's first God consciousness, then it's modesty and shame, and eventually the knowledge will emerge. In addition, as is but obvious, one must act upon one's knowledge. For Hassan al-Basri, rahmatullah, said, the knowledge of the hypocrite is in his speech. The knowledge of the believer is in his deeds. This is in Behaki, it is Shu'abul Iman. Now think about that. Hassan al-Basri said the knowledge of the hypocrite. But was he really defining knowledge there? No, that's not knowledge. The hypocrite doesn't have knowledge. But he said that it was his knowledge in inverted commas is in his speech. Meaning he'll talk a good game. But the knowledge of the believer is not in his speech, it's in his deeds. So if somebody says to you, in this locality we're in, who's knowledgeable? A lot of people straight away think, 
Who knows more of the Quran? Who knows more of the Hadith? Who knows more of this and that? That's not knowledge. Your first port of call is who is the one who apparently is doing the most righteous deeds? Because that is where knowledge is. It's in deeds. As the Honorable Imam Shafi'i Rahmatullahi said in Abu Nu'im al-Hidiyah Sahih, knowledge is not what is memorized, it's what benefits. Knowledge is not what is memorized, but what benefits. Look how beautiful and simple. If somebody says to you, I know all of Bukhari Sharif by heart. So then you say, so what do you want me to say? Are you impressed by that? No, because I've got a computer that's got that knowledge. In fact, he knows more than that. he got Muslim, Nasai, Abu Dawood, Tinmidi, Ibn Majah as well. But you got that. I'm not going to say, mashallah, to my computer. <laughs> That's not knowledge. It's just memorization. Knowledge is what benefits. If it benefits, then you say, mashallah, brother. You learn something. You got it into your life. I'm seeing the fruit. Mashallah, that is knowledge. That is what benefits. And no other than our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa knowledge which is not acted upon, is like a treasure which has not been spent. <laughs> knowledge which is not acted upon is like a treasure which has not been spent. This is in Imam Ahmad's Musnad Behaki al Haytami in Majma al Zawail 1 184 stated Sahih. The uh, half is Munzari in his Tarif stated Hassan al Mishkat. Now think about this. What a beautiful example the Prophet gave. If you don't act upon your knowledge, this is your likeness. You see a person with a, with a huge treasure chest. So you say, does that belong to you? And he goes, yes, it belongs to me. Can I have a look inside? So you open it. It's full of dinars, dirhams, gold, silver. So he's in the thing. You know, you're so fortunate. You got all this wealth. Is it halal? A hundred bazaar is halal. And then he locks it again. So then you go, okay. So what are you going to do with it? Because I'm not doing nothing with it. I'm not going to spend a single penny. What would your praise turn into? You wouldn't praise him. You'd actually think, I thought you was a sane person. You go all this wealth and you're not spending a single penny. That's madness. You could do so much with that. Imagine if you had a million pounds, what can you do with it? And what does a person do? He doesn't spend a penny of it. So you think all that potential wasted. The Prophet ﷺ said that is the exact same analogy of the one who has knowledge and he doesn't act upon it. Mm-hmm. First you get impressed because you're hearing all these reports and thinking, look, he's got so much, but he's not acting upon it. So the Prophet ﷺ said he's like a man with a treasure who's not spending it. Indeed, one short stay on this temporary abode is only truly blessed with the incessant acquisition of sacred knowledge. Because our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when a day comes upon me on which my knowledge that draws me nearer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not increase, then may the dawn of that day not bring blessings upon me. Subhanallah. This is in Tabarari in his Ausat, Abu Nu'im, Imam Ghazali, Rahmatullah, in his Ihya, volume 1, page 34 to 5, in the chapter on knowledge. So, what was the Prophet simply saying, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? He says, may I not be blessed on that day on which I haven't acquired knowledge which draws me nearer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
So what was he saying? He was saying that every day this should be your, your striving. Your striving should always be to acquire sacred knowledge. And what, what is your intention to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala every day? Because if a day passes and I haven't got that, may Allah ta'ala not bless that day for me, the Prophet said. Now think about that. What is that telling you? Acquiring sacred knowledge is not a hobby. You know, people treat it as a hobby when I got time. No, 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 you, it's not, you haven't got a choice. The Prophet said every day. So how many days have we dumped because we haven't acquired knowledge to get us closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? In fact, we're not even bothered about it. If a person even approaches you and asks you the question, you find it strange. Because brother, are you acquiring knowledge to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And he'll give you that look and he'll say, brother, I'm not an alim. Why do I need to do that? Who said you have to be an alim? Right? The Prophet said, every Muslim has to have that desire. And again, notice, forget about days, forget about weeks, forget about months, years pass. So you're in this world and that should be your main priority. Indeed, our beloved messenger related, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that no other than the Almighty and Glorious Subhanahu wa ta'ala said to his beloved messenger Musa, alayhi salatu wa salam, the best of my servants add knowledge to their own and are never satisfied in doing so. The best of my servants add knowledge to their own and they are never satisfied in doing so. In Ibn Hiban, great al Hassan. So think about this. Who is mentioning that? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who is he telling that to? Musa alayhi salatu wa salam. Does Musa alayhi salatu wasalam need to know that? He was the best man at the time. Yet, even to his beloved servant Musa alayhi salatu wasalam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, the best of my servants, meaning, these are the ones I have very near and dear ties with. Add knowledge to their own, that's number one, and they are never satisfied. Meaning they don't think, that's it, I've cracked it. You've cracked your head, mate. <laughs> Right? Nobody's cracked. You you keep on going. You just keep on going until you drop dead. Allah Ta'ala loves those servants. He goes, these are the best of my servants. He goes, they can't get enough of acquiring knowledge. Now, this is the problem. Shaitan will beautify falsehood. And I'm going to mention something, and I'm sure you've heard it. Too much knowledge is dangerous. Have you heard that? Simple question. Who said that? And this is what the response would be. Well, this is a wise saying. And he say, is, I said, who said that? Is it Quran? Is it Sunnah? Did the Sahaba say? Who said that? And he goes, well, it's, it's common. You know, the world over. Because, so you don't even know what you're quoting. You've actually done the opposite, exact opposite of what Allah Ta'ala is telling us. That's why people like you are tainting Islam. What do these people do? They'll see people acquiring knowledge and they'll say, oh, this, this is dangerous. Why is it dangerous? Because too much knowledge is dangerous. <laughs> so think about it. They're doing the work of shaitan. <laughs> you respond by saying, Allah the Almighty and Glorious said to Musa, wasalam, so before I cut young brother, has he got enough knowledge? <laughs> if anybody could say, I've got enough knowledge, it's a messenger of God. <laughs> Even a messenger of God, Allah told him, the best of my servants add knowledge to their own 
they are never satisfied. Now what's interesting, isn't there a very famous narrative of Musa where he was taught this? Who did he go in search of? So what happened? This, you know, just give you the, the gist of the hadith. In Sayyid Bukhari, Musa was asked, who is the most knowledgeable? So Musa said, I am. And he wasn't wrong because he was the messenger of God. Allah didn't like that. So Allah told Musa there's somebody who's got knowledge that you haven't got. Now look at the wording, very important. Did Allah correct him? No. But what he said to him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, is there's somebody who's got knowledge that you haven't got. Meaning, yes, you are the most knowledgeable. But, go back to the report, and knowledge. Now look what happened. Musa was oh my Lord, who is it? Show me. Did he give him the location? No. Just vague details. You will meet him when the two seas meet. So he travels in the report, the Quran mentions it in detail in Surah Al-Kahf. And he said, and it's in the Quran, what did, what did Musa والسلام, say to his servant? Yusha He goes, bring out our breakfast. The journey has made us tired. Mm. So Allah has testified that he's actually exhausted looking for Khidr. Mm. Eventually they find him. Then what happens? Khidr says, look, you won't be able to understand what I'm doing. So, if you don't question me, then you can follow me. Because I won't question you. So, what was the problem? This was the problem. Khidr was working on the ghayb. Abdullah ibn Abbas said in Fatt al-Bari that Khidr was working on the decree. He was working outside the normal parameter of cause and effect. So, when he was doing things, Musa obviously saw the outward. He goes, what's this? And later he explained the wisdom why he did those things. So why was Musa I'm so eager to meet him? You know, people forget to ask the obvious question. He's the most knowledgeable. If you're the most knowledgeable, he should come to me. That's what people say. He goes, I've got more knowledge. People should come. Why should I go to a person? Okay, he's got knowledge. But I'm the most knowledgeable. He goes, no, I'm going to find him no matter what. Look at the incessant yearning that Rasul has for knowledge. He traveled and traveled. Allah mentioned that in the Quran, he loved it so much. So why? Because these are the best of the servants. And in a famous report, what did the Prophet say? Two greedy ones can never be satisfied. Talibud dunya, talibul ilm, wa talibud dunya. The seeker of knowledge and the seeker of the world. This is in Behaki in Shu'abbul Iman, Bazar and Mishkat. Shaykh Al-Bani stated Sahih in his Sahih Al-Jam 2-1125. How true are these words? Taliban, people you quote these words. What does it actually mean Taliban? It means a student or a seeker. The seekers. The Prophet used that word here. Said Allah, Talibul ilm wa talibul dunya. He goes, you can never satisfy them. So if I was to say to you, if I put food in front of you, Will you get satisfied? Yes. If I put a drink in front of you, will you get satisfied? Yes. Believe it or not, Allah has designed us in such a way there are two things that you can never get satisfied of. Straight away, a person thinks that's interesting. Because what's that then? One is knowledge. 
The Prophet said, two greedy ones. Now, is he praising that person? Yes. The first category he's praising. He got talibul ilm. He can never be satisfied because he will just keep going until he drops. But the second category was he praising. Talibul dunya. No. What's so dangerous? That's an illness that can never be satisfied. Imagine. Dunya, you, could not, you will never stop craving dunya. The Prophet said it. Famous hadith in Bukhari Sharif. If a, the son of Adam has a valley of gold, he will want a second valley. Nothing but the dust which goes into his cavity in his stomach will satisfy him. Only when he gets in his grave and his, his ribs collapse and the dust enters his stomach, then he's satisfied. You have to wait for the grave. Now think about that, a valley of gold. So forget about what you're thinking about. No, I'm happy with the house in this part of the world with four bedrooms and this. No, forget it, brother. You are a house of gold, you want somewhere else. The Prophet is telling the truth. But that is an insatiable illness. That's a really, really... And now, let's put it bluntly. How many have got the, the medicine? How many are insatiable when it comes to knowledge? A very low percentage. If I was to say the Muslims, you say, forget it, brother. Not even 1%. Mm -hmm. Right? And he goes, okay. What about dunya? <laughs> oh, my God, brother. He goes, 90, high 90s. So this is why we're ill. What you're supposed to be craving and being insatiable for, you have no desire whatsoever. And what you want to run from, like the plague, you're running towards it like a magnet. And this is why, to finish, the Prophet he said, A believer is never satisfied from the good that he hears until he enters paradise. SubhanAllah. This is in Dirmadi number 2695, Hassan Gharib. Now think about that. The only time you will finally think, I've got enough knowledge. When you enter paradise, <laughs> imagine, even in the grave, should have learned, should have learned, should have learned, Qiyamat, should have learned, Bridge of Salat, should have learned, in the queues, only in paradise you think. Because why? Because you've reached your goal. So the Prophet was saying, it's not from the cradle to the grave, it's from the cradle to paradise. You acquire knowledge. But don't forget, what is the definition of knowledge? It's not just you know, memorizing, memorizing. That's not knowledge. You have to go back to what the Prophet said. It's what benefits. It's what benefits. And also, there's a famous dua of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said, I seek refuge in you from knowledge that does not benefit. Rasulullah made that dua. Oh my Lord, please protect me from knowledge that doesn't benefit. Meaning there's things in Islam that won't benefit me. Protect me from that. So you get some fruitcakes, they waste their time learning things in their deen. It's not doing anything for you, brother. So let me give you an example so you understand what I'm saying. People, they think there's a magic wand. So what do I mean by that? My putter has gone off track. I'll put him in madrasa. I'll put him back on track. Mm. So you go to the person, you think, magic wand party, you get any brother, right? And he goes, what do you mean? He goes, look, he's gone off track. He's got in bad company. If I put him into a madrasa, he'll become, you know, righteous. What does madrasa teach? And they look at you like, as if like, they're just teaching dry stuff. Learn Arabic. Learn the fiqh. Learn the messiah of divorce, of marriage. He's going to be thinking, I'm getting double torture. 
Right? That's why they run off. You know, you see him, can't take it, dad. I'd rather be in prison. Because that is the knowledge the Prophet said, protect me from that. Let me learn things that will inspire me. And where do you get that inspiration from? When a person talks about the important matters in the deen. Where are the madrasi of Iman? Imagine if somebody says to you, honest, serious question. Because wouldn't you enroll your son or daughter in a madrasa if they, if they could guarantee you they will strengthen their Iman? Because we don't know about fake, we don't know about this and that, but inshallah they'll come out strong and they'll have the basics in place. Where are these madrasi? Right? And notice even when the scholars come out, they end up being taxi drivers. You think what's happening there? What are you going to pay years for? Because it's dry stuff. You're better off being a taxi driver. That's not to be little taxi drivers, but you've got eight years of knowledge and you're wasting it now. So all I mentioned today was basically a few other signs of the our beloved messenger with regards to the end of time, specifically with regards to masjids. And then I mentioned uh, or started the subject with regards to sacred knowledge. Are there any questions, brother? سبحان الله بحمده سبحان الله هم بحمده كشولا لا إله إلا الله استغفرك أتوب إليك وأتوب إليه من شرائحين سبحان الله بجد بالإزدياء ما يسيفون السلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والأصل الإنسان الذي يخص الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وأصبح حق وأصبح صبر فلكم الله